This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. Glenn Beck, the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck program. So glad that you are here today. Come on in, spend some time with us today. Lot to talk about. The Russians are at it. Again, there has been a new hack and a new release from WikiLeaks. Totally, totally separate from the Russians. Uh, And they are doing all they can, not to get Hillary elected, but to cause more division. Wait until you hear the latest uh, on the WikiLeaks hacks. We'll give you that. We'll do that beginning right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Glad that you're here today. Um, I had no intention of talking about this ever again um, until yesterday, and I do not want to make this a back and forth because there is no response back. There is a lesson to be learned here. And um, and I want to I want to show you um, that this is exactly the time that I have been I've been hopefully preparing people for, including me. Um, I've told you that there's going to come a time where you have to know what your principles are. And no one will know exactly what to do or where to go. And there will be people that are so riled with righteous anger that they will say, come this way. And most people will go that way. And we need to be an audience. We need to be a group of people that stand in our own places and say, no, no, don't go that way. And that Martin Luther King was right when you put good against evil, anger against hate, love will always win. Love will always win. And the only way to conquer it, the only way to conquer darkness is with light. The only way to bring healing is not with more anger, rage, or hate. But it is listening to one another, trying to understand where someone is coming from, And saying, I come unarmed. You can do what you want. I'm not swinging back. Here's what happened with Sean Hannity 
yesterday afternoon. When you add the Glenn Becks of the world that just, you know, I've heard Nazi references on his program. <laughs> what? I have heard what? him refer to me, how does Sean Hannity sleep at night? Uh, frankly, <laughs> I sleep well because I kept my promise. I served my audience and I'm keeping my promise now. I want, I want you to know that so have we. We have kept our promise. And do you have the thing from 2016 uh, or 2014, I think it was? Um, uh, in 2014, we got on the air, I got on the air, and I said, look, here's the thing. I'm not going to vote for the lesser of two evils anymore. And if you remember right, we I all, sure did. a year and a half, two years ago, we all looked at each other and we made each other raise the hand <laughs> and swear to one another that not only that you wouldn't vote for the lesser of two evils, but that you would help me not get there because we said we're going to get weak. We're going to get weak. Stop us. We did. Stop, stop us. Stop us. Stop us. And they give us a ballot. Here's what happened two years ago. Listen, and to we this. go in and we close the curtain. And then we have to make a choice. Do I vote for the lesser of two evils? This is two years ago. Do I play the game of politics? Or do I understand that I am now making a choice that I will be held accountable for in the only court that matters? There is not going to be, well, what game were you playing? Well, what was your strategy with that vote? How did you vote? What did you believe? Did you vote based on the things that you knew were true, or were you playing man's game? And then there was also uh, this from the year before. So that was from Election Day on 2014, and then in 2013. I really will not vote for another person. I will, Never before in my life have I said this. I just voted at a stupid local election. I mean, geez, for love, Pete, I vote. I I will not vote for another Republican like Chris Christie or Mitt Romney. I will not vote. I will skip it. I will not cast my vote for that. I'm pulling the calendar out right now. Put it. And I'm going to put a 2016 date on the I want you to chastise me. (laughs) I want you to play this. Let me talk to future Glenn. Okay. Glenn... If you let me look right in the camera, Glenn, don't do it. Don't do it. They have fooled you again. They have played all those games again. And if you're thinking right now, well, but the other person doesn't matter. Stop selling your values out. Stop it right now. Three years you ago. Play that. Th- so three years this ago. Three years ago. So if anybody thinks that my stance has anything to do with Hillary Clinton, We're anything Donald- to do with Donald Trump, anything to do with being angry about Ted Cruz. It's none of that. It's none of that. We and made I, a promise and I'm, to ourselves and our audience. And I said, um, you know, Sean is saying, play the other clip from Sean if you have it. I've got several. Um, I just, I don't want several. Let me just hear the beginning of this. I, I said um, uh, that I am going to stand on principle. That doesn't make me self-righteous. That just makes right. me exactly like you, Sean, you said you had you kept up you're keeping a promise to yourself and your audience. So am I. It's just a different promise. So what I'm saying to all of you never Trumpers, and this is my last word. You want to be arrogant, you want to be ignorant, you want to help Hillary, you want to be sanctimonious and self righteous and superior, and you want to stick your finger in the face of the American voters, you go ahead. 
that's, that's, I don't want to do any of those things. I don't want to do any of those things. I don't want to be self-righteous. And I am sorry that I appear that way sometimes. When I say I'm standing with my principles, that's not self-righteousness. I am trying to explain why I'm doing it. Now, you've just heard me from three years ago say this is what I was going to do. And if you remember, the audience cheered at that time. Oh, they loved it. They loved Loved it. it. They loved it. But the reason why I said let me talk to future Glenn is because I knew we would get into a place to where everyone would say, you're going to let X person win. Yep. No, don't buy into that anymore, please. For me, that's what I'm saying to me, not to you, for me. It's not self-righteousness. I'm trying to be consistent to my principles and my values. Exactly the same thing that Sean is trying to do. I don't bash Sean for his values. I don't understand them. I don't understand how he can be for the things that he is. But his, the way I do understand it, because the argument keeps coming back, is then you're for Hillary. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Now, he might believe that, but the evidence is very clear from the past. We have it all on tape. The evidence is very, very clear, and that's fine. But I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to be self-righteous. I'm clearly not ignorant. I know what this means. I know that if Hillary wins, that it is going to be very bad for the nation. I know that. It may be, well, it is. I've told you in the past. I believe America 2.0 is where we're at. It has been a hundred-year plan. Barack Obama set it into cement. We've said before, the only way that you're ever going to be able to stop this is not because of immigration. It is because of the system that was set up by the progressives to regulate us into a place of oblivion. The only way that you would ever be able to stop the stampede away from the Constitution is to have somebody who is not just constitutional, but understands I must remove the structure from around the Constitution. Well, neither candidate is going to do that. And quite honestly, I had this conversation with Ted Cruz a million times. Can you show me how you're going to remove the, the stuff that was just in the stimulus package, let alone Obamacare? How are you going to get rid of the Department of Education? We're not talking about any of that. Well, you don't save the nation without dismantling that. You don't get back to the Constitution. Now, you may slow it down, but I don't think so. I've told you, I believe we are at America 2.0. I'm playing a longer-term game. I'm looking, the problem with America, and I think the conservatives, is we play in response to them. What do we believe? Now, let me play just the last part of this, this cut that you just had. Is there more of that? Yeah, there's more. Okay, so play the last part of this cut. That's all I need. All right. So what uh, I'm saying, so what I'm saying to all now. of you uh, never-Trumpers, and this is my last word. You want to be arrogant? You want to no. be ignorant? No. You want to help Hillary? No. You want to be sanctimonious no. and self-righteous and no. superior, and you no. want to stick your finger in the face of the American voters? No. You go ahead. I'm moving on. Okay. No, it, Wait, are you? Let me let me please let me finish this. Go My ahead. next 61 days are going to be spent mm. trying to elect 
a superior candidate that will stop America's precipitous decline. And this is personal for me as somebody that started at the bottom as a as a paper boy, dishwasher, cook, busboy, waiter, bartender, house painter, wallpaper we, hanger, tile we layer, we're, house we're framer, not in disagreement here. house roofer. And somebody that busted it's his teeth and arm and everything too. else. That was 20 years of my life, and God gave me opportunity through the American dream. Me too. And it's dying before your eyes. I believe it's dead. Live with your choice. <laughs> you want to blame me for Trump if he gets elected and breaks a promise? You bet. You go ahead. You have had it. But I'm blaming you, all of you that I've mentioned, and holding you responsible for your ignorance, for your arrogance, for your self-righteousness, for mm. the sanctimony that you are now showing. Wow. Hey. Because Oh, my gosh. Go ahead, play the rest, because... Oh. oh. Did you just stop it? Okay, yep. never mind, never mind. <sighs> Sean, I don't want to blame you if, if Trump breaks his promises, nor will I. The only one that will be blamed is Donald Trump. He's the only one that has control over what he is doing. So unless you're part of the team that does do the things that I think he's going to do, I don't blame you. I don't want to. And more importantly, where would that get us? Where would that get us? I want you today to ask yourself this question. We are behaving as if in November it's over. I have news for you. The day after the election, no matter who wins, we all get up and we all go to work. In six months from now, we all are still getting up and we're all going to work. In two years from now, we're all still getting up and we're going to work. The world and the country will change, but we're all still here. What is it that made America, America? Her people. Her people. It's not just the Constitution. It is the fact that for a century, we actually lived it and we believed the words, all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. If we cannot come to a place to where you are not my enemy because of the way you voted, we stand no chance because you play that out over time. If that's allowed to continue to grow in anger, well, then you liquidate a group of people every four years. Ah, the population is reduced. Al Gore is happy. The planet is saved. That's not reasonable. And nobody, nobody in, is for that. Nobody is for that. This is the time when we have to now say, who do we want to be the day after the election? I will not say if Donald Trump loses, I told you so. I will not point my finger. You're saying this personally, not for the group, right? I just want to make sure. I'm going to try my best pretty, to change I'm your sure heart. I will. <laughs> I'm trying hard. To, I darn sure know I will. I want you to, I want you to, I want you to hear this. Mm-hmm. Last night, I read a lot of the Facebook posts, and the Hannity people um, and the Trump people uh, were all um, piling on me, 
and saying, you own it, you own it, you're to blame, okay, where does that leave us? Where does that leave us if, if we're going to point fingers at each other and we all have to band together and try to stop? Where does that leave us? That leaves us divided, totally divided. Now, we can be divided on policies. We can be divided on a lot of things. But we shouldn't intentionally divide. And I understand why Sean is angry. Because I was the same way at the end with Ted Cruz. I was the same way. You stupid, stupid people. Don't you see what this is doing? Do you know what I regret? From everything I said and did in the campaign, I regret any time I let my anger get the best of me and point my fingers at somebody else and saying, what the hell is wrong with you? I don't regret what I did. I regret how I did it. This is the point where people can begin to understand. Just because you lay down your sword doesn't mean you don't fight. I'm fighting for what I believe in hard. And it's why I'm under attack. You don't have to fight like the left fights, the politics of destruction. Because if we do that, there's nothing left. There's nothing left. What is it that, what is it that Russia is trying to do right now? What do they want? They want us divided. What is it that ISIS wants? They want us divided. I want you to ask yourself today, who are you going to be? Who are you going to be after this election is over? Are you going to be somebody who wants to point the finger and blame it on somebody else? I am really proud of a great number of people in this audience who said last night on Facebook and an email, Glenn, I really respect what you did. But I don't think I can do that, but I'm glad somebody is. Guys, I am absolutely no different than you are. You are most likely a better man, stronger man than I am. You are capable of doing this. It's hard. You just have to choose for the good of the republic. Thomas Paine thought Robespierre was a really bad guy. Sorry, was a really good guy. Washington didn't. They disagreed. Thomas Paine is still a um, patriot. And so is Washington. Now this, technology has changed much of our lives. More and more, we live in a wireless uh, world, but big home security companies will give you a wired system for free. And the reason why they do that is because those are literally the strings attached to it. If they put wires in your wall, you can't change it out. You can't switch to another company. And that's why they can charge you 40 or 50 bucks a month for monitoring. Don't. $14.95 a month. There's no wires in your home. This is all wireless technology. It is simply safe home security. It is the way to be free in your home and control your own destiny. Protect your home the smart way. Visit simplysafebeck.com. Go there now. Free shipping on your order and a free keychain remote worth 25 bucks. Simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. The Glenn Beck Program.
program. Mercury. The last time you purchased your mattress, you were also paying for things you didn't know. You're paying for the showroom. You're paying for the guy's salary who helped you, the commissions, and the reseller's profit. Casper Mattress has changed all of that. They sell directly to you. That's why the most comfortable mattress you have ever slept on is going to save you a ton of money. Cost you much less than the mattress you bought years ago. Casper was invented with two high-tech foams that guarantee that you sleep cool and comfortable with the support that you need. Also, Time Magazine, because of this, named it one of the best inventions of 2015. And your Casper mattress ships free and is delivered in a small, kind of really, honestly, how did they do that kind of box? Tanya and I have a Casper mattress, and we love it. Try one in your own home for 100 nights, risk-free. If you don't love it, they're going to pick it up and refund every single penny. Go to Casper.com, use the promo code BECK, and get $50 off the purchase of your brand new Casper mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. It's Casper.com, promo code BECK. Casper.com, promo code BECK. Let me go to Bob in New York. Hello, Bob. You're on the Glenn Beck program. Hi. How you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, great. I uh, listened to opening the program, and it really triggered me. I'm self-employed. Oh, no. This is not and, a safe uh, space. There are going to. I, do I need a trigger warning? Do you? Should you give me a trigger warning? Am I walking into an unsafe space? <laughs> no, 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 no. You're the one that got me started in 2008. You know, on educating myself and everything with this country. Good. Um, and. Being self-employed and working with the hearing impaired, I've done a lot of good things, I think, for people. And I just think it's irresponsible that you're making this more about you and what you believe in and not about what's best for America. Because um, we're never going to have the perfect candidate in front of us. Uh, what? That what you believe. So hang on just a say. second, Bob. Hold on. Okay. What gives you the impression that what I believe I'm doing isn't the best thing for America? Well, you said you got this 2.0 thing, and um, the long-term plan. Wait, wait, wait. Plan. I did. I did what? The 2.0. The 2.0 America. Yes. And you're, you know, you're playing for the long, long term. Right, because I believe those are because I believe that the fundamental transformation of America has already happened, and people refuse to recognize it. Um, I may be wrong on that, um, but I don't think so. Look around. Um, oh, and I, the I second is, you. hang on I, just a second, and the reason why I'm playing the long game is because I believe that is the best interest of America and the only way to uh, recover a country that we might recognize. I understand that. Okay. But we also have responsibility for now and to, in four or eight years, have somewhat of a better America than we have now. The country okay, so, is, is, is so, so far off base, it's come to this. Because we've gotten so far off base. Right. And what that's gives why, you any impression that how? Uh, what gives you the idea that Donald Trump? No, hang on. Before I go there, don't don't go there yet, Pat. So so Bob, um, I I I, I want to know: Have am I trying to? Am I telling you not to vote for Donald Trump? No, 
no, not at all. I don't. That's not okay. what I'm saying. You know, well, well, wait, 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 wait. If you, if you were insinuating you weren't going to vote at all this morning, it kind of got that impression from you. No, no that, that was from 2013. I am going to vote. Okay. I'm going to vote. It won't be for Hillary, and it will not be for, for Donald Trump. But okay. I am going to and, vote. And one of the things I was going to open with was, you know, this whole third-party thing I disagree with. I was brought up <laughs> with majority rules, and right. we also have a problem with the Electoral College. Right. It's a whole so, other Bob, animal. So, Bob, I you, you, two, we, you and I both, you, you and I just, two people in office. right, but you, you and I, not going to go there. Is, it, uh, is right. it not okay to have two differing opinions about these things? That's what I was going to say. I, I, just, we, we just have differing opinions. And so no, I don't know, but I don't want Hillary in office in this country. Right. It, it <laughs> comes down to that. I don't either. Neither do I, Bob. I do. Okay, so, I do. Yeah, and I, that's I, why we. I think I. I particularly respect people who came to Trump uh, begrudgingly after the primary. I mean, I, I think that's the vast majority of yeah. Republicans. But think about it this way: You heard that clip from 2013 this morning. Mm-hmm. Why would you ever listen to a show that in 2013 made those promises to you and then folded on them when it came down to it? Isn't that what you want out of a program and someone you're trying to uh, honest? Like, don't you because tr- I trust the audience. The audience, I think, trusts us. But why would they trust us if we did that show in 2013? And then today we're telling you to vote for Donald Trump. Beyond that, why would you well, trust? Well, why would you trust? Oh, that's not no, that is exactly nothing. what I don't want to be. The guy who's right. like Barack Obama has his opinion evolve when times right. get a little bit different. Hillary well, Clinton. We, we Hillary Clinton we, we has. We are where we are now. We are where we are now. We're not 2013. <laughs> but we knew. Right. But and what's Bob, best for America, Bob. not just you guys and your beliefs. And I think you're separating. Okay. But that's, but, but that's Bob, what, that's what you have to do. I mean, so stop, playing have, the, stop playing the stop playing the collective. Bob, stop playing the collective. I respect you. I respect you. And I respect your difference of opinion. And I even respect the fact that you um, don't want that you vote for Donald Trump because you don't want Hillary Clinton. I respect you. I, I honor your decision. I would drive you to the polls. If we were living next to each other, I would say, Bob, you want to go vote? Let's go vote. I would drive you to the polls. So why won't you give me Trump all along? I picked him in the beginning. That's fine. It wouldn't change me. Of the pulse on America, of what America, where we are, what's happened. This has happened over many, many years, as you know. And here we are. And I would love to fix it your way. But we've gone past that. You know, the time to fix it your way before it got this far out of hand. So I would like some common sense and a little bit of improvement in some areas. And I think Trump can do that. Okay. You know, Bob, I'm not saying he'll be perfect, but we've got to get him in there to help something. Okay. Thank you very much for your phone call. I appreciate it. We're not going to agree, um, but I appreciate it. And I, 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 I understand where you're coming from. Where we are changing as a country is you have to shout down uh, or call names or never return to friendships because we disagree on how we vote. I, I'm not, I, I, I said to you after the primary, I'm not going to tell you how to vote because I don't like the decision that I am making. It's not about me. It's, it is about what, the country, what I believe is best for the country in, in looking at the long game. How is anyone going to be able to fight against Hillary Clinton 
and her big government Obamacare as it collapses, because it is, as it collapses, and she says, just take it over entirely. How are you going to fight on that when that is Donald Trump's position? You can't. You can't. And so it just becomes, it just becomes if it's an R or a D. Okay, that's fine. If you think you can, that's okay. I, I can't. I can't. And, and that should be okay with America. Here's the biggest thing we have going against us is we have people on the left and the right who are now trying to divide us, who are intentionally saying, it doesn't matter how you vote. I will never come to you. And I know you're not bringing Sean Hannity back into this, but I, I, you know, just to bring it up here, that is what he said yesterday on the show. Um, You know, he seems, look, he took, and I I think it's important to, to acknowledge the guy took a huge personal risk. I mean, when you go through your entire life talking about conservative values and you go to your audience and say, look, here's a guy that, yes, he's been a Democrat and he supported wealth taxes and all these crazy things. But now I know he is a good conservative. That is taking a huge personal risk. And there's got to be a ton of pressure there. So I don't want to minimize that. That's difficult to do. But what he said yesterday, he went off on you the other day. You responded with, hey, we need to come together after this is all over. I know we don't agree on this point. And I thought this part, do we have the audio of him saying, mm-hmm. go ahead. This is my final admonition to all of you combined, all of the people that I mentioned. But life is about choices. You know what? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God for those of you that love religious references. Oh, man. And I say this to you. Oh, no, man. Donald Trump's not perfect. Donald Trump's made mistakes. Donald Trump's new to the process. Donald Trump. May I just say that is a Barack Obama tactic. May I just say that is the biggest progressive tactic we hear all the time is that everybody who's voice you're massively flawed, massively flawed is not perfect. We're not asking for perfection. We've never said that. None of us are perfect. Okay, yes, we get that. Could we get somebody a little bit closer? (laughs) For the love of heaven, not perfect. The guy doesn't know anything about anything. He Hannity goes off on us because we're arrogant, ignorant, self-righteous saboteurs. Uh, But we can hold him accountable if Donald Trump breaks his promises. Which one? He's promised both sides of everything. <laughs> okay. How do you know when he breaks his promises? Except he's already broken every single one. So can we hold you accountable now? Apparently not. I, actually, not the you, part of the audio. He's <laughs> never promised. And by the right. way, he's never promised anything. Everything's a suggestion. Right. He's already said that. It's politically right. incorrect. Yeah. Donald Trump speaks from his heart. He's made mistake mm. after mistake, but still he's in this race. Ugh. And I'm not coming together after there you go. with those saboteurs and uniting after because oh, the so there you time. Go. So that, I thought that was the interesting part about that because it yeah, sounds, it you know, it sounds like uh, we didn't invite him to our eighth birthday party. It's like, uh, you know, the t- it's like you're no longer going to be my best friend anymore. Uh-huh. It's a weird thing to do because he keeps saying this over and over again. Um, as it, uh, saying that he's going to hold us responsible as if 
that is something material that would enter into our thought process when making a decision. Why the hell would we care if Sean Hannity holds us responsible or not? <laughs> we, don't, yes. we don't answer to Sean Hannity, and he doesn't answer to us. What the hell kind of show would you want? Would you listen to a show that was influenced by another talk show host talking about holding them responsible for their personal decisions? I would hope you would reject any show <laughs> that was influenced by anything like that. It's ridiculous. Yes. Um, so I, I don't I think you look at him and, and I, I actually I, I kind of found myself in between Pat and Glenn yesterday as as we were getting this audio and that like I'm I have the same anger that Pat has. And I, I think you're right, Glenn, on the way you're supposed to handle this. In a way, it just it felt sad. I felt like he he thought like if he, he felt personally hurt by something that you did. And I, I, I don't know what it is you I think overall have been Guys. very much making a statement Guys. about, you know, whether this is the right thing to do. But you've never criticized first of all, his vote. I mean, he gets to vote all, how he votes. First of all, there's a lot of things that have been said about me through listeners of other people. And when you have identified and they're like, you know, let's just use, um, you know, Wink Dinkerson as the host. You know, I'm a big fan of Wink Dinkerson, and what he's saying is right, and you are a traitor. Wink might not have said that. But you feel under attack, and especially right. when you feel alone. I feel, I have felt what Sean is feeling right now. <clears throat> I believe I have probably expressed, not in those words, maybe close to the, I don't know, but I know I have felt that way. You sons of bitches, if this is what you're going to do, then I want nothing to do with you. I get it. And it's, it's what I want to say too. It really is. I would love to strike and, and I would, I'd love to. It's not right. It's not right. And it's not right you know, the last caller just said, you know, stop making it about you. I'm sorry, but that's all I have is me. That's all I have. The only thing I have to my name, I learned this uh, on, the, on my lowest point of alcoholism. I'm lying to my children and I have lost everything. I can't even look my children in the eye because I've lied to them about, you know, being sober I've lied to them. Uh, the only thing I wanted was my credibility. And, the, and, you know, we're doing this special on 9-11. And uh, the question was asked to me, what is the most important thing you want to teach about 9-11 that you learned from it? And I didn't answer this, and I probably should have, but this was the first thing that popped into my mind. And Stu... I believe you were with me after at 9-11. Yes. Mm -hmm. You remember. Do you know what my real memory is of 9-11? And you were there. You saw it. And I'll bet you, you may not even remember it. But it is what I think of every time I think of 9-11. I don't think I have time to share it now. I'll share it coming up, maybe at the top of the hour. Um, because it guides me still today. 
and it is nothing I have ever shared before, and it is one of the most shameful moments of my life after recovery. Jeffy, I think you might have been there, too. I know I was. If it's a so shameful moment, you know was. Jeffy was there. <laughs> Wait. Does your mattress adapt to your body temperature and the temperature of, of your room, or does it trap heat like Jeffy does? And, uh, and then like Jeffy, I mean, Jeffy's body has to trap heat. Have you ever seen that guy? It's in the wintertime. You never want to slap him on the back because it's a splash. <laughs> okay. Which only makes it, 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 actually, it actually adds to him because if he had a hairy back, it would just absorb in the hair. So at least he doesn't also have a hairy back. That's the, most, that's the nicest thing. It's the nicest. About Jeffy. It is. Anyway. Thank you. Casper mattress <laughs> is not like sleeping on Jeffy. Uh, um, although you do look soft and comfortable. Uh, Casper mattress, it was invented with two high-tech foams that guarantee you sleep cool and comfortable with all the support you need. Time magazine said it's one of the best inventions of 2015. Sleep on it in your own house for 100 nights. You're going to love it. Casper.com. Use the offer code BECK. You get $50 off. Terms and conditions do apply. Casper.com. Promo code BECK. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The Glenn Beck Program. All right. Um, kind of getting cold feet here on uh, what I want to talk to you about at the top of the hour. Um, the 9-11 moment? Yeah. What do you mean you're getting cold feet? I'm, getting, I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it, but it's like really, it's embarrassing. It is really, truly embarrassing to me. I've never, I've never even told my wife this. You did a freaking YouTube video about your hemorrhoid surgery. Like, what do you mean it's embarrassing for you? <laughs> that doesn't matter to me. It <laughs> really doesn't matter to me. Um... Uh, gosh, now we're out of time. I can't. T- I have to tell you about the thing that you, if you're a prepper, uh, and I'm a proud prepper, there's a great story out that we've talked about before a couple years ago, but even I haven't done this. And it's the big gaping hole in prepping. And you need to be aware of it. We'll share that coming up. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. All this week, we've been giving you the history of education in America. Today, we discuss the failed government education programs and their effect on the uh, country in the third installment of our serial. We do that in about a half an hour. But first, I want to share with you um, something I've never even shared with my wife. It's been so humiliating for me. And I just thought of it yesterday in a completely unrelated um, uh, way. And it was brought up because of 
something that Sean Hannity said yesterday. And in trying to um, in trying to get my own crew here um, past some anger, I have to share something that is a little humiliating uh, that I think will help everybody understand each other a little bit better. We go there right now. Entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck program. I don't want to keep rehashing, and I'm just talking to Stu. What I don't want to rehash. So, yeah, how no, can I mean, the context of it, in case you're just joining us, is uh, you know, there's been this back and forth between Glenn and Sean Hannity. Again, like to, to understand. I mean, these guys have been friends for a decent amount of time. I mean, to the point that you know we well, we weren't friends. You weren't at the beginning. There was some weird uh, disconnect right. because there you. were people that were in between us that were that were telling us uh, things that were absolutely not true. People told me things about Sean that weren't true, yeah. and uh, and I've done everything I could to you know, repair that relationship. And, and there was a real repair. In fact, to the point that, you, yeah, you know, we you gave him space, space in the offices in New York City. The, he was know. having his studio rebuilt or something, right. built in his house or whatever. He did the show from our studios. And, For a year. Uh, space. He was in your office. Uh, For a year. And, you know, and when he left, he bought pizza for the entire office as right. he departed. I mean, this was, there's no reason that this election cycle makes these things happen but it always does it always does uh, which sucks and yeah, but you were so arrogant ignorant self-righteous and such a saboteur that you gave him your office space for a year it doesn't right but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it, 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 that i didn't do with anything other than i know hope i know that it's what I would want somebody to do for me if I were in the need no. that he was in. And we got, we and all got along would. great at the yeah. time. So, I, uh, it, well, no, he didn't. We didn't. No, not, we did. We were not his friend at the time. That was our beginning. That was I wrote him. Yeah, that was uh, kind of at the beginning. It what? was at the beginning. I wrote yeah. him a letter and said, yeah. "Hey, look, I don't know what it is, but I'll take responsibility for whatever it is." And then I found out about his space, and we decided to give him space. I gave him my office, and I gave him my studios in New York City, not cheap. But we gave him, mm-hmm. and, and I don't want, I didn't want anything, and I don't no, want I, anything, and it was just, I know, even today, he would do the same for me. I think would just, he would do the same. Uh, I don't think today he uh, would. Yeah, maybe not today, um, today, but not after the election. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it's interesting that he doesn't give you the benefit of the doubt that, that we're doing this on principle, he doesn't. not because we're pissed off about Ted Cruz. No, but he thinks That's the principles pathetic. are self-righteous. Right. And so the, the, the point here wow. is, you know, we I, I think you look at this and, and, and it's difficult to handle situations like this. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure. These are multi-million dollar businesses. Uh, you know, there's people, millions of people, millions of people that cannot stand Glenn Beck because of the stance he's taking and cannot stand Sean Hannity because of the stance he's taking. And, you know, we all are human beings. And the, the part is that you know, when you have one person on your Facebook page, think about this. You post something that's mildly controversial and you have that jerk friend who chimes in and gives you a hassle about it. And you argue with them for weeks and it it it, it, it absorbs you. That's one person. 
So think about it. I mean, and while we all have lots of people in this audience that, you know, uh, are like what you've done uh, over the election and like the stances you've taken, there are plenty that do not. And so that is, you know, you multiply it by a million times and it gets it, there's a lot of pressure. And a lot of times people say things that don't make any sense. Uh, and, 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 you know, well, including bending the laws of math to things that don't make any sense. But here's the, but, here's here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. The reason why I brought this up uh, last hour and I will share um, is because I understand, I understand the pressure he's under and I understand, the, because we're under the same, I understand um, that we have different principles. We, di- we disagree. We disagree. That doesn't make us enemies. We disagree. I strongly disagree with him. We have had email exchanges where I don't understand and he doesn't understand and we are on polar opposites of this. But that doesn't make us enemies. It's not personal. If you make it personal, that's the politics of destruction. This, this is the problem because I don't think this is Sean. I think this is a lack of leadership and, and the leadership that is shown by the Trump campaign is the leadership of destruction. Mm-hmm. Owen, uh, uh, Korindowski, or what was Corey his name? Lewandowski. Yeah, Corin, uh, what is his name? Corey Lewandowski. Corey Lewandowski. Lewandowski. Uh, Bannon is, is this way. Trump is this way. We know that Trump, we, we, we know, we know. It's not speculation. We know if you cross Donald Trump, even if it takes him 10 years, he will get you. Bannon has said... I will remember every name and I will make it my life's mission to destroy those who stood in the way. I don't think this is Sean Hannity. I think he is, he is in with these guys and show me your friends, I show you your future. And I, 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 and I think he's, he is legitimately angry because he believes he's right. Um, and he is also under a lot of pressure. Now, worst, the, the thing I, pro- and I've never even told my wife this, the most embarrassing, personally embarrassing thing I have done since my baptism, when I promised I wouldn't be the man I used to be, um, came after 9-11. And I even thought of it yesterday after a meeting. And I thought... You just, you just haven't, you just are not the man you hope you, to, you are. My memory after 9-11, my memory of that week is, of course, seeing them collapse, the buildings calling used to on the phone and saying, we're at war, driving in together and listening to it, all of that. I mean, I have all, of course, all of that. But the memory that is the first or one of the first that comes to mind every time, and I push it out, is a meeting that Jeffy, you were in, and Stu, you were in. Um, it was, I think, nine thirteen, and I had been put on the air by Clear Channel. I had a contract to do a national show, but Clear Channel they couldn't get a hold of the guys in New York. the The company was running almost locally. And they weren't, the the people in New York had no time to make any decisions whatsoever. And, um, and they wanted me to go national, but 
the people in the company, I don't even know if they knew I was going national. And so they were putting me with some other guy who's really good talent and everything else. But we don't mix oil. It was oil and water. Yes, it was. And at that time, he was talking in a very different way. I was speaking to the heart. He was speaking to the head. Might have been a good show, but it was not the show I would have done. And it was very, very frustrating because it's not what I believe the country needed. I think the country needed a hug. I think we needed, you know, that moment. Um, And so the uh, I was brought into the program director's office with you guys. And they started talking about doing this for the next week or so. And I said, no. I know. I don't care about the net. Just put me on my show by myself. No. And they said, Glenn, you know, the rest of the country, they want you to do it with him. And I said, let him do it. He's going in his direction. I have another way. I need to take care of my own local audience if that's what it means. Otherwise, put me on by myself. And I believed in that direction so strongly. Um, and they kept going back and forth. And everybody was calm except me. And I think it was the first time Jeffy ever heard me swear. Uh, and I, I said, I don't care what the F you put on the air, but it's not going to be me. And uh, I don't care what it is, but I am not participating in this anymore and get somebody on the phone that understands what the hell they're doing. And I remember the program director looked at me in horror (laughs) and said, do you realize why we can't get them on the phone? Do you know what it's like on the streets of New York? I think I probably said some other foul things, and I walked out. That has haunted me. And the reason why it happened, and I went back and apologized to everybody, but the reason why it happened is because all of us were at the ultimate level of stress, the, the pinnacle of stress. Last couple of years, I have been at my breaking point of stress. I've told my wife six months ago, honey, I'm going to quit. I can't do it anymore. I can't take the stress anymore. My body can't take the stress anymore. And I'm at the pinnacle of my stress. Has anybody noticed that my language has gotten much worse in the last year and a half? I am swearing now. Not all the time, but I don't usually swear. Pretty rare, but... It's uh, still rare, but I still swear. Where I never swore. Yes. You used to be, before that, we were an artist uh, with the Yes, yes. Uh, I was very good before. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yesterday, I was in a meeting with somebody. And at the top of my stress... I'm having this meeting, and he's like, Glenn, I don't know why you're so testy right now. Well, I didn't say anything to him, but I did. When he said that to me, I thought of 9-13-2001. I do. I'm at the top of my stress, and I'm behaving in a way that is, is showing me that I am not the man that I want to be. Now, the reason why I share this is because we all have a choice to be the man we were born to be or to be the man that's just easiest. Pat will tell you when we worked together, I was 
always an ass. I mean, without stress, I could be in a hot tub and I was an ass. Um, That has changed a great deal. It takes a lot of pressure on me before my walls start to get shaky. That's not good enough, at least for me. That's not good enough. I want to be the man who can be in the battlefield and rock solid, rock solid. I am not that guy, and you know that from listening to me because you've heard me snap on the air. I don't like it, and every night when I go home after a day that I have snapped on the air, I think of 9-13-2001, and I realize you might have made some progress, but you really haven't mastered this. Mm. The reason why I say this is because we're all at different levels. Sean is under stress, as I am. We all are. And we're saying things now, and what made me think of this is when he said, I will not come together with you. I remember me saying to my dad, I will never be like you. Well, good news. I'm a lot like him. We will come together because we do survive this. No matter who's elected, we survive. And we're going to need each other. Because there's more we agree on than disagree on. Let your heart not be troubled. Let your heart not be troubled. We need each other. And in times of ultimate stress, the best thing we can do for each other is understand. You might be saying things that you don't mean, because I do a lot of times when I'm under stress. I say the things that are emotional. We need to be leaders because there are no leaders in politics. There is nobody charting the way saying, tone it down. Let's be better. Let's not be this way. And if they are, they're preachy. And I apologize Sean said that I'm preachy and arrogant and everything else. I apologize if that's the way I come off. It's not, I don't mean to come off that way, but I'm sure I do from time to time. I am deeply flawed. Yes, Jeffy. I'd like to say that while you're feeling bad about the whole 913 thing, um, you were right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, that should stand for something. Uh, right? No. Correct? It actually doesn't. It actually doesn't. And you're right. The president of the company, when he found out what was being done, said, "Why the, called me. Why the hell aren't you on the air by yourself? And I said, because I don't make the calls. And he said, well, I do. <laughs> the next day, I was on the air by myself. So, yes, right, I guess. I don't care about that. It doesn't matter. Is there a better way I could have handled that? Because that call was coming in the next day anyway. That call didn't happen because I blew my stack. That call happened anyway. Whatever is going to happen is going to happen. We need to be the strongest, most principled people we can possibly be and hold things together as they are flying apart. And now this. After it's all done, you realize how easy it is. Blinds.com makes it really simple to change whatever is um, over your windows. 
Tanya and I are uh, busy. We emailed blinds.com people for help. We heard back the same day. I mean, literally, I think it was within five minutes. And we were on the phone with them within a couple of hours. And Tanya did it with her maiden name. So it wasn't like Glenn Beck called. This is the way everybody is treated. We FaceTime with Blinds.com, a design consultant who took pictures. We took pictures of our room, then took those pictures, superimposed the images of the curtains that we wanted and said, this is what your room will look like. 100% satisfaction guarantees means that even if you mismeasure, you pick the wrong color, they remake your blinds for free. Get made-to-order custom blinds without paying custom prices at Blinds.com. Check out the Labor Day sales event at Blinds.com. Now through September 8th, save up to 35% off of site-wide blinds, curtains, shades, shutters, drapes, whatever you need. Blinds.com. Use the promo code BECK now through September 8th for up to 35% off site-wide. Blinds.com. Promo code BECK. That's Blinds.com. Promo code BECK. Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. Mercury. The Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the uh, program. Glad you're here. Let me let me share with you. Um, there's an article that I found on the one thing that preppers haven't prepared for, and the article caught my eye. And um, uh, the reasons for prepping are extremely varied. Most dedicated preppers uh, share several several axioms of their prepping philosophy, such as. Being able to live off the grid, be self-reliant, food, power, medical needs, any other needs and wants. Living in a secure remote area, having a DYI mentality, uh, having six months to two-year food supply, gold and silver for if and when the financial systems collapse. Um, but they, in this, they say there is a huge um, error and gaping hole in prepping. Financial prepping, they say. Preface this by saying, of course, like anything, this is not 100%, but generally speaking, preppers have prepared for everything except for their finances. Keeping physical gold and silver is a good idea. There are many risks associated with gold and silver, such as theft, loss, acceptance. Maybe in certain scenarios, one would want silver, but in many scenarios, you will find that Cigarettes or beer or alcohol will be an easier trade. If you want real currency... You're telling us to stock up on alcohol? I am. In an end-time scenario, stock up on cheap whiskey and gin. Well, this article says growing marijuana will be easy at this time. Um, but, um, But having things... Uh, that people will need at the time, the actual needs, the uh, pain relief, the antiseptic, the alcoholics in the neighborhood, the people addicted to nicotine. Those are things that are the first level of trade. Do you have those? The Glenn Beck Program. 
is the Glenn Beck Program. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com. Race to the top. No child left behind. The Elementary and Secondary Education Act. There has been one failed, gigantic federal government educational program after another. Neil McCluskey of the Center for Educational Freedom. Most people now accept that No Child Left Behind is a failure. The reality is it's not No Child Left Behind that is ultimately the problem. It's the very process by which federal education policy is made. Even the president of the NEA, Lily Eskelson Garcia, said of the emphasis on testing rather than learning. I think it was it has been um, either by design or just by bad luck. It doesn't matter. It has hurt kids to stop talking about what do we really need to move the needle to make sure that kids are ready for the rest of their lives, that you care about that whole child, their critical, creative minds that with things that don't come off on a standardized test. What about those healthy bodies, arts, athletics? What about their ethical, compassionate character? We really do believe in the whole child. And when someone says, you know, we're going to name you, shame you, blame you based on if you hit your quota of kids that got a certain amount of points on a cut score, 8,000 third graders in Oklahoma were told they couldn't be fourth graders because they missed the cut score on a reading test. One reading test. Nothing else they did that year mattered. It, it, you use the right word. It's an obsession. It's obscene. And it's hurting kids to simply say the only thing we need to know about you is if you hit that cut score. Um, and it's, it's time to stop that. And now there's Common Core, a program developed by education elites and financed mainly by Microsoft founder Bill Gates. Common Core proponents claim that it is not a nationalized curriculum, rather just a set of standards, and that it has nothing to do with the federal government. They continually use words like voluntary and state-led. The reality, however, is that the federal government bribed the states into adopting Common Core standards. Huge amounts of money were given to the states if they adopted Common Core. The money would be withheld if they didn't go along. Diane Ravitch, who is a former assistant U.S. Secretary of Education, was appointed to the office by both Clinton and George H.W. Bush. She is also a former advocate of Common Core, but has since changed her mind. She contradicted the Common Core supporters' rhetoric in a piece to the Washington Post, noting that the standards were developed by an organization called Achieve and the National Governors Association, both of which were generously funded by the Gates Foundation. There was minimal public engagement in the development of Common Core. Their creation was neither grassroots nor did it emanate from the states. Instead, Common Core is being driven by the policymakers in D.C. But don't just take it from her. Listen to Bill Gates, the man who is invested, according to some estimates, well over a billion dollars into making Common Core a reality. Gates describes how the tests and curriculum must line up. Secretary Arne Duncan recently announced that $350 million of the stimulus package will be used to create just these kinds of tests. Next generation assessments aligned to the Common Core. When the tests are aligned to the Common Standards, the curriculum will line up as well. And it will unleash a powerful 
market of people providing services for better teaching. For the first time, there'll be a large uniform base of customers looking at using products that can help every kid learn and every teacher get better. Gates outlines the steps to the national curriculum. And for a program that is supposedly not curriculum, there is a lot of curricular indoctrination. The stated curriculum guidelines replace the classics currently taught with government propaganda. According to the American Principles Project, they, quote, de-emphasize the study of classic literature in favor of reading so-called informational texts, such as government documents, court opinions, and technical manuals, end quote. Over half of the reading materials in grades 6 to 12 are to consist of informational texts rather than classic literature. Historical texts like the Gettysburg Address are to be presented to students without context or explanation. Here's just one of the many examples. Members of Utahns Against Common Core share information from the very beginning of the manual of a Common Core recommended literature and writing manual for first graders in Utah. Flip open and it says the central question. You think this is about uh, literature and writing. That's what it says on the cover. You flip open and it says the central question. And in the Voices Democracy theme, students use their voices to advocate solutions to social problems. That they care deeply about it. They're engaged in learning the following theme-related social knowledge and skills. And then they list them. Social role models, social advocacy, respect, and so on and so forth. Are America's seven-year-olds being trained to become social advocates? The first grade lesson continues. Tell students that when they write a call to action, they should include emotional words to get the readers to feel so strongly about the problem that they want to do what is being asked of them. This is not um, Community Organization 101 for college students. This is uh, English Language Arts for six-year-olds. So we give examples, um, and they're very effective at this. So here's the example. Um, why did the writer use the word refuse instead of will not? Refuse is a stronger world word that makes the ABC company sound as though they are hard to work with, which may make readers angry with them. So I don't know. Are we, are we teaching the six-year-olds to kind of play fast and loose with facts in order to persuade and get the job done? Saul Alinsky Community Organizing Tactics for Your 7-Year-Old. Will school districts all across this country be asking first graders to advocate for social issues they can't even begin to understand yet? Is that what American parents expect and want from public education? It doesn't matter, because parents have little or no say in it. As Debbie Squires of Michigan's Elementary and Middle School Principals Association told her state's House Education Committee. Educators go through education for a reason. They are the people who know best about how to serve children. That's not necessarily true of an individual resident. Hopefully, America's parents don't believe that they know what's best for their children. Because clearly, they do not. If you're a minority... You are even more worthless to your kids, according to Racine, Wisconsin's superintendent of schools, Anne Lang. The African-American families are the ones who are most prone to enroll their kids in the fly-by-night schools that cropped up after vouchers existed. 
um, and they don't know how to make good choices for their children. They really don't. Uh, they didn't have parents who made good choices for them or helped them learn how to make good choices, so they're not going, they don't know how to do that. Progressive mentality has so infected our society that professor and former MSNBC anchor Melissa Harris-Perry went so far to say... We have never invested as much in public education as we should have because we've always had kind of a private notion of children. Your kid is yours and totally your responsibility. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children. So part of it is we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to whole communities. Once it's everybody's responsibility and not just the households, then we start making better investments. It is hard to believe that this attitude exists in the United States of America. Yet, welcome to America too, the land of progressivism. The problems with Common Core extend beyond indoctrination and collectivism. The standards and teaching methods, which advocates call rigorous and tested, are neither rigorous nor tested. This is a Common Core curriculum developer, Amanda August, spelling out to a group of teachers how the new curriculum works. Under the new Common Core, even if they said three times four was 11, if they were able to explain their reasoning and explain how they came up with their answer really in um, words and oral explanations, and they showed it in the picture, but they just got the final number wrong, we're really more focusing on the how and the way to we, be correcting them. Oh, absolutely. Right? <laughs> absolutely. We want our students to compute correctly, but the emphasis is really moving more towards the explanation. And sadly, one day, all of today's students will leave classrooms to enter the real world and take positions of importance in society. Will a mistake by a doctor on you or your child be okay if he can show you how he came about making it? Will an accounting error that leads to a business losing millions of dollars be overlooked if the employee can just show his work? This is not the real world. Education is supposed to prepare us for success in life. But there is a fundamental problem with American education. And the root of that problem is, and always has been, progressivism. From the beginning of the progressive education movement, led by John Dewey, actual facts mattered much less than they did during the first 100 years of our nation. Education became about socializing. With the advent of Common Core, it is now evident that the facts don't matter at all. Truth has been replaced with showing work. Or in other words, just participating. In 2009, the General Counsel of the National Education Association, in a moment of honesty, summed up what the NEA was all about. Despite what some among us would like to believe, it is not because of our creative ideas. It is not because of the merit of our positions. It is not because we care about children and it is not because we have a vision of a great public school for every child. NEA and its affiliates are effective advocates because we have power. And we have power because there are more than 3.2 million people 
who are willing to pay us hundreds of millions of dollars in dues each year because they believe that we are the unions that can most effectively represent them, the unions that can protect their rights and advance their interests as education employees. That seems pretty clear. The NEA isn't about caring about your children. It is about the power that they wield so they can take care of the NEA employees. So who is all about caring for your children? How do we solve this progressive educational nightmare? We explore what you can do in the next episode. Glenn Beck. I mean, I think when you, when you listen to these things, I hope that we're getting a sense that there, there are no half measures here. There are no half measures. Um, this is not about, hey, let's stop this from getting worse. This is about reversing a century worth of lies. And, and you know, some of them were out-and-out lies, but a lot of people along the way thought this was a good idea. If you look and do, really do your research, if you read the book Liars, you'll see these ideas come from a completely different age. And it's, they've all been tried and wildly discredited. Socialism comes from Karl Marx. Karl Marx was the guy who um, uh, first came up with blank studies. In college, we didn't have women's studies, African-American studies. We didn't have that. That came from Karl Marx because he knew if you would, if you would study, quote, studies, you could change the world. You could change the culture. And that is exactly what we're doing. We're only focusing on what makes us different and also socialization skills. Let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour, ZipRecruiter. We want to thank them for sponsoring ZipRecruiter is a company that if you run a small business like I do, you know how hard it is um, to, uh, to get things done. Um, we just, uh, at The Blaze, I think they um, are um, hiring now. Mercury is hiring. Uh, and we have a hard enough time keeping up with everything we have to do day to day. And we'll sit in a meeting and when we have a job opening, somebody will say, who's got to write the job description? Um, and it's the worst part of it, writing the job description and then posting it. And if you work in a small company where you don't have an HR person, you know how hard it is. Even if you work in a small company where you do have an HR person, they're most likely overwhelmed. ZipRecruiter helps you if that's who you are. You can find candidates in any city, industry, nationwide. You post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. There's no juggling the emails or the phone calls or, or anything like that. You post your job description once and it posts to the 100-plus best job websites. ZipRecruiter. Right now you can try it for free. Post your job now at ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. You can try it out for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at GlennBeck.com. Mercury.
This is the Glenn Beck Program. I want to, uh, I want to spend some time uh, next hour on uh, what Russia is doing uh, with the election. There's been another leak from WikiLeaks, uh, and they are pitting us against each other even more. And the Democrats are such liars, it's easy to do. Um, but uh, you have to see the latest in the leaks. Can I go quickly to Rich in New York? Rich, I think we have about 45 seconds. Can you make it? Rich, are you there? Yeah, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, sure. Th- there's a major flaw in what Sean Hannity believes is a justified uh, scolding of Republicans who refuse to vote for Trump. People like Hannity have only themselves to blame. Um, uh, so here's the flaw. The same people who are now doing the scolding are the same people who knew Trump had the worst chances of beating Hillary via uh, uh, a year's worth of popularity polling and head-to-head matchups. So right. the main yep. driver of your vote... Mercury. I think this hour may just consist of Pat Gray screaming uh, the whole hour. He's a little passionate about a few things today. Yes. Um, we uh, we want to talk a little bit about the uh, visit south of the border. Uh, also, I need to tell you about the latest WikiLeaks on uh, Hillary Clinton. The Democrats are just such frauds. It is so easy. What is the scripture? That there won't be any secrets, that it'll be shouted from the rooftops? Mm-hmm. That's what's happening now. Mm-hmm. There are no secrets anymore, and the Democrats are being exposed. But the the question is, what is Russia's motivation for doing it? And some audio from Michelle Bachman. We begin there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, you sick, twisted freak. Welcome to the uh, program. Glad that you're here. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, what Russia is now doing. Have you have you guys seen the um, uh, what the the latest leak? From WikiLeaks? Nobody's listening. I'm listening. I, just, I have not seen it. I'm trying to think. If I've seen it, I don't I think so. Okay, so the latest uh, from uh, uh, WikiLeaks is um, all about Black Lives Matter. Early Wednesday morning, a hack from Guccifer 2.0 uncovered some damaging revelations about the Democratic Party. Most notably, what the party really thinks about Black Lives Matter behind closed doors and how they are to handle it. Now... Just tell me what your guess is, knowing the Democrats, what is your guess about Black Lives Matter? What do they really feel, and how do they feel they should handle it? Um, 
How do they really feel? Oh, yeah. now, are, uh, you want us to guess what? what not, not what's in the leak, yeah, okay. what you really think. Well, they love Black Lives Matter. They, they love Black Lives Matter. Yes. They lo- well, they, they ideologically love them. Uh, of course, their main concern is how to use them to, uh, mm-hmm. pr- you know, f- further their own power. Without um, appearing out in the open. Right. And they also don't want to piss off, uh, you know, middle of the road white voters who see Black Lives Matter uh, protesters, you know, saying every white person is evil and don't like the group. And they also have to tread somewhat lightly on the, the issue of police officers, too. Yes. Because they can't yeah. come off anti-police. There's a police union. They don't want to piss off any unions. We know that. Yes, I think that's... that's I don't know if they care about pissing off the officers, but they don't want to piss off the police union. What you asked for was, you know, standard, what you'd, what you'd think they would do. And that's, that's what I would, yeah. I would think the way they handle it. Yeah. Okay, so this is coming... Now, think of this. This is WikiLeaks. We, we know that Russia has hacked in, and we also know that WikiLeaks... We have a pretty good belief... That WikiLeaks is uh, uh, an arm of the uh, Russians. And the reason why we feel that way is because Snowden was told by Julian Assange when he was in China, you got to get out, you got to go to Russia. Russia will protect you. Snowden is in Russia with Putin. We also know that Julian Assange has his own KGB or what do they call it now? I don't remember the letters for it, but it's former KGB. FBS. FBS. Um, has, has, their, has his own detail from the FBS. So if you're not an arm of the former Republic of Russia or the former Soviet Union, why are you getting FSB protection? FSB, yeah. Yep. Not FBS. Okay, so <laughs> there's a lot of BS, but it's mainly, well, anyway. Okay, so this was, this was hacked into... And taken off of the computer of Nancy Pelosi. This is off of her personal computer. Think of what they have. At the top of the confidential uh, memo, a warning is transcribed in bold lettering. This document should not be emailed or uh, handed to anyone outside of the building. Please only give campaign staff these best practices in meetings or over the phone. Two, DCCC staff from Troy Perry um, regarding Black Lives Matter movement, internal use only. Presidential candidates have struggled to respond to the tactics of Black Lives Matter movement. While there has been little engagement with House candidates, candidates and campaign staff should be prepared. This document should not be emailed or handled to, uh, handed to anyone outside of the building. Please only give campaign staff these best practices in meetings over the phone. Um, the memo goes on to describe Black Lives Matter as a radical movement which seeks to end anti-black racism. Under the header of tactics, Democrats are told that uh, uh, invites to BLM attendees should be limited. The aim you should ask for personal or small group meetings. Do not offer any support for concrete policy positions. Tactics, meet with local activists. If BLM, uh, if approached by a BLM activist, campaign staff should uh, offer to meet with local activists. Invite BLM attendees should be limited. 
Aim for personal small group. Listen to their concerns. Do not offer any concrete policy positions. Um, The message, do not say all lives matter, nor mention black-on-black crime. These are all viewed as red herring attacks. This response will garner uh, garner, uh, additional media scrutiny and only anger the BLM activists. This is the worst response you can give. Um, Democrats are instructed to use the following talking point. A history of systematic racism continues to affront the daily lives of African Americans. So... Democrats are saying in internal memos that these guys are radical, not to really give them anything. You can meet with them and you can say these things, but they're radical. Distance yourself from them and offer no solutions. Doesn't that sound like what you do to a group that votes for you every time 95%? Yeah, I mean, you just I mean, you, right and you don't care. You don't care. You speak the language that you need to speak, but you don't do anything about it. So now, mm-hmm. why would Russia want to continue to leak these things? What is their goal? The, the, the myopic media is saying they're just trying to get Hillary Clinton to lose. I don't believe that. Do you? I mean... Yes, does Putin want Hillary in office? No. But that's not the reason. Can you guys figure out the reason or name a reason? Why? What, what are they really trying to do to us? Well, to divide. Yes. They're just dividing and conquering. So you think it's more the, that uh, Dugan sort of uh, Absolutely. Push, rather than they actually are desperately trying to make Trump win? Um, or do you, I mean, no, no, no. Or do they work in no, conjunction? They, 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 I think this works in conjunction, and they're not trying to get Trump to win because they believe you know he's the best candidate. They believe that Trump, and this is Dugan's words, not mine, that Trump is the best way to revolution. And um, and they and Dugan has said in English, we should get we should get you know what Pat, look for the one. Uh, I think it was Dugan in Trump We Trust, uh, and it came out on the day, you look on YouTube, on the day that uh, was Super Tuesday. And in it, he talks about how, you know, there's a revolution coming because the Republicans and the Democrats are not listening to the people. And we have to encourage that. We have to show how they are not listening and they are lying to you. And now his goal is not to expose it for justice. His goal is to expose these things because he needs the United States of America to melt down. His goal is to destroy America. So while we look at these things and say, well, yeah, but that's true. Yes. But let's not also at the same time fall into the hands of our enemies. We know, this is why I asked you guys about what the Democrats believe about Black Lives Matter. Um, We already know that. I mean, anybody with any sense knows how the Democrats actually feel about black people. Now, this is quite a statement, but hear me out for a second. You um, You cannot look at Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., uh, Detroit, St. Louis, and anywhere else where you've had Democratic rule for as long as you have, 
and see the absolute total destruction of those towns and communities. When you have not had a Republican opposition, there's no Republicans running in, in those or, uh, that are actually have a position of power. There's no Republicans that have positions of power there. So those were done by Democratic policies. You would have to, if you were honest, you would have to say, what the hell happened there? I mean, because we had total control. What happened? Yeah, why didn't we make that work? Why didn't that work? Mm-hmm. And if you actually cared, you would then work to solve those problems. You wouldn't be talking about the police. You would have that as a secondary. You would say, yes, we have to make sure they're bad cops. But here's, here's where the artery is hemorrhaging, and that's Chicago. The artery in the black community is hemorrhaging. If you really believed you know, in the black community, you would say 58% of African Americans under the age of 24, I'm sorry, 85% of African Americans under the age of 24 are unemployed. Imagine that. That is the exact, that is the exact opposite of the employment numbers or unemployment numbers of the Great Depression. The Great Depression was about 25% unemployment, and look what it did. The black community goes from anywhere from 45 to 85% unemployed. What, if you really cared, wouldn't you make that the centerpiece of what you're doing? There's, they either don't care, and that's what I think the leadership is showing here, is that they don't care. Um, they're just saying what they have to to get elected and keep going. Or they're just foolish people that don't take into... I mean, the best thing you could say is they just have not reconsidered. They haven't gotten hit hard enough themselves in the face. Well, there's no punishment. To, there's no consequence. Right. There's, right? No consequence. there's no consequence. There's no consequence. When you have a, a group of people that vote 95% one way, and Burgess Owens laid this out uh, the other day. Yep. You have 95% of people voting one way. And in fact, right now... Um, like Donald Trump's approval rating in uh, Mexico uh, was 4%, according to MSNBC. Mm-hmm. 4% of Mexicans approve of Donald Trump. That's higher than African Americans in, in some of the polling numbers that are coming out now for, for Donald Trump in America. Wow. So what, what use is it? Again, this is speaking completely Washington speak and how these guys think. You'll see it in every single one of these leaks. They think the same way, which is, What good does it do us? What good does it do for a Democrat to come up with a real solution to a problem when their lack of solution results in them getting 95% of the vote? They are getting rewarded over and over and over again for what they've done so far. And so there's no reason to change for them. And on the other side, you get the same thing, which is why why would Republicans uh, bother Again, we're talking Washington speak. Why bother going to these communities and trying to reach out when every time they do, what they get is 5% of the vote, even though they're, they're providing solutions that have worked across the country in every other demographic group? <clears throat> because, and this is why we've missed the golden opportunity here, and Rand Paul, I think, really got this, mm-hmm. um, because the community is on such fire right now that if you actually do the right thing, not the political thing, you actually do the right, right thing, you can make in-ground now. Remember, the Democratic Party is historically the party of the Klan. <laughs> it was still the party of the Klan. Robert Byrd, remember, the, the, the excuse they gave is, well, 
back in his day, you know, you had to be a member of the Klan if you wanted to run for the Democratic Party. First of all, okay. no. <laughs> yeah, but, oh, yes, but, no, but that was true back then. It was a Klan deal. The Democrats were the Klan in the South. Okay, so how did you get pe- blacks in the South because they saw FDR reach out to them on the New Deal? We have to find the way to reach out and do the right thing with, you know, 30% of African-Americans believe the same things we do. We're not even trying to get those guys. We, we, we can get those guys if we stop with the nonsense of the typical GOP responses. Yeah, and I think, too, like you see, it's not just uh, Rand Paul, but there's also Dinesh D'Souza is doing this yes. right now. Uh, <clears throat> yes. And we've heard even Stephen A. Smith, who's not a Republican, um, he's a sports commentator, but he said, you know what would be a great idea? is if every African-American for one election just switched and voted for the Republicans just to show that they're free agents, just to show that they're not an automatic, dependable vote for the Democrats, just to show that they have to come up with real solutions to actually win those votes instead of them being gifted every single election. See, you can't do that. Because if, if Hillary Clinton, if somebody would say that, Hillary Clinton would say, a non-vote for me is a vote for Donald Trump. That is, yeah, that is what you've got to stop Donald Trump because he is such a boogeyman that you have to stop him. So if you don't vote for me, you vote for Jill Smith, you vote for somebody, you write a name in, you don't go and vote. Well, then I blame you for what you're going to get in your community. And to be clear, I'm looking for a candidate. So if if Jill Smith is a candidate, can you let me know what her (laughs) positions are? Yeah, what's her name? Jill Stein. 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 Um, And now this. Central banks have been assuring us there's nothing to worry about when it comes to paper money, which uh, soon will be banned if some Harvard uh, uh, professors and econo- uh, economists have their way. At uh, the same time that they've been saying this, they've been quietly accelerating withdrawals of gold from the biggest centralized depository of global, glo- global gold in the world, the New York Federal Reserve. Since the current round of monthly withdrawals from the New York Fed started February 2014, There has been a total of 388 tons of gold redeemed by foreign central bank holders over a span of 30 months. Did you even know this? No. The largest withdrawal from the Federal Reserve of gold has been happening in the last 30 months. Mm. No one is talking about it. We hear that from time to time. Oh, yeah. From time to time. Oh, yeah. So so what are we going to have left? Nothing but paper. That's all we'll have. Do your homework. Get the facts. Consider gold. Goldline. Call them now. 1-866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE. Call them, please. 866-465-3546 or go to goldline.com. The Glenn Beck Program. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Program. 
888-727-BECK. You have that audio from, uh, this is this is Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. They mentioned that he once had a fleeting association with a Ku Klux Klan. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. He was a country boy from the hills and hollows of West Virginia. He was trying to get elected. And maybe he did something he shouldn't have done, and he spent the rest of his life making it up. And that's what a good person does. There are no perfect wow. people. There are certainly no perfect politicians. Clapping for this. <laughs> Yay! Oh, that's great! He was in the Klan! Right. Yes! Would they say the same thing about David Duke? I'm kind of sure no, they no. wouldn't. No. They don't. And you hear what he said? He had to do what he had to do to get elected, mm-hmm. and then he changed. But he had to do. He was just a country boy. He was talking about Robert Byrd, by the way. I don't yeah. know if he said that. But. I mean, that, that's, that's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. The, the, the left will, will preach on about the evils of the Klan, but not when the Klan helps them get elected. Not when, I mean, you know what that means? Uh, yeah, I do. That means you were walking around burning crosses wearing a sheet as a guy who said that blacks should be killed or live in their own country. That's that, yeah, that's what it means, Bill. Yeah. No, to him, that just means you're a country boy in West Virginia. Well, to and you had to him, that way. It means that you do whatever it takes to yep, win the ends no matter justify what the means. you have to do. Yes. It doesn't matter what, you know, how hard you have to hold your nose. And he wasn't perfect. Well, ever. Mean, you where, do it. Where else do we hear he's not perfect? Um, I can't think of any place, so let's... I, let's, I can perfect. think of a place. Let's we heard move it on. earlier today. We had I, a break. I, I want to tell you that... start of the show. That's a commercial. I, I want to tell you that... Uh, Roger Ailes is having quite an effect on Donald Trump. If you're a Trump fan, uh, I want to show Roger Ailes' influence. You've got to love it. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Yesterday, Donald Trump, I think, had a big gamble uh, by going to Mexico and, uh, and, and going and standing next to the president of Mexico and, and having a live press conference. Huge gamble. It paid off for him, um, I, I think. Um, he looked reasonable standing next to the president of Mexico. Sure didn't pay off for the president of Mexico. He no, they're looked, calling it a disaster. Oh, my gosh. He was awful. He was awful. It's weird, too. Because if, I, if, I, if, if you put yourself in the position of the president of Mexico, who has a 74% unapproval rating, uh, 74% of the public does not like him, um, he stood there and he just let Trump talk, and at no point did he chastise him for any of the other things that he had said. Now, I don't know why you would have done that, because you want to have good relations with the next president of the United States. 
But what was the idea of the president of Mexico? How was he talked into doing that? What was sure. his intent? Do you have any idea? Uh, you know, he's got really low improve. Uh, right, but rate. you would think was- that would lead you to believe that I'm going to tear you apart. Well, yeah. He didn't that do that. Maybe so the plan, and he couldn't. What was the plan? The speculation I heard this morning was that he was trying to reassure foreign investors that if Trump were to get elected, he could still work with him so that the money would continue to flow in until the election. Oh, that's smart. Uh, and beyond. So they were trying to make it, hey, look, there's stability here. You can still invest in Mexico. Even if Trump gets in there, it's not going to be that bad. We can still. Wow, was that hard for him to do? If that's the case, yeah. yeah I mean, that's the, that. Wow, that that makes sense. It, it kind of wow. does, you know. Although, again, you're 60 days out. Um, it's a it's a questionable move. I'm surprised. And and then again, he also immediately after Trump got out of the airspace uh, said, "By the way, uh, I did tell him I wasn't building the wall." I mean, he he. I was I was I was shocked. I was shocked because I expected. I expected Trump to appear like he did, but I expected the president of Mexico to be more like Vicente Fox. Yeah, yeah a little harsher. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least, at least to say a very polite but stern line on, on something. Like, we're not, we're not, look, and we've obviously said this publicly, we're not going to pay for the wall, but that was not what this is about. Uh, right. That's a discussion for a later time. We just wanted to meet each other and, something, and, and right. something like that would be fine. Mr. Trump, I, I talked to him and said, you know, maybe you need to spend some more time in Mexico. We're not all race, we're not all rapists and murderers and drug people, you know, and and I had that conversation with him, and we had a very delightful conversation, yeah. and he's going to come down and spend some more time getting to know the real Mexico and blah, blah, blah. Something like that would have been very presidential. He didn't do any of that. And I couldn't figure out, if you're a Trump fan, that was a big win. But you would have to sit there and watch and go, what is happening here? What was the motivation for the president of Mexico who is despised by his people, it makes sense about the economy. Yeah, so it could have something to do with that. And, and you know, it also probably uh, bolsters Trump's argument that, that it wouldn't be all that crazy if, if, if he's in office. Oh, no. I um, mean, Trump, I thought Trump looked like a statesman. It's, inter- it's an interesting thing because, first of all, I think the standards are just so low for Donald Trump in these types of moments that, you know, the fact that he didn't, you know, urinate on the podium, you know, worked to his advantage. Like, I don't know that he did anything dramatically wonderful in the speech. And can you think about the idea of if a Democrat, if Hill, let's just say Hillary Clinton did the exact same thing that Donald Trump just did. So in the middle of a campaign, heat of a campaign, the candidate is beckoned off the campaign trail to fly down at a moment's notice to Mexico to do a speech about how the Mexican-Americans are beyond reproach and are the most wonderful people in the universe, uh, I don't think it would be received the same way by the same people. Without the press, too. Uh, Without the press, uh, yeah, yeah, not taking the the, the, the weird thing where they didn't... Then he did take a couple of questions. Then he said, uh, one of his main campaign promises, he doesn't even bring up to the person, right? He doesn't even bring it up. And then we find out after he leaves the airspace that it was brought up uh, and the Mexican president said he's not going to do it. And yet it was just ignored in the press conference. I think the standards for Trump, you know, on that stage, I do think you're right that it worked for him. But it's amazing how it was seen in context, because I don't know. Oh, my gosh. If this were Hillary Clinton, 
They would, they, if this was Marco Rubio, if this was Donald oh Trump, oh. I mean, uh, Ted Cruz, the same people Can you would have been, be they would have been running for their arms at oh. this point. Can you, uh, I mean, can you imagine the Breitbart headlines if Hillary oh Clinton did gosh. exactly what Donald Trump just or did? Or any other, Jeb Bush. Well, Marco Rubio is a good example, too. The Marco Rubio Gang of Eight plan promised an increase of 19,000 border agents. Donald Trump last night promised 5,000 border agents. Now, oh my God! Like I, the, the Gang of Eight plan destroyed Rubio's candidacy. Essentially, he came out with his hardline approach, promised a quarter of the border troops, and everyone's like, "Wow, that was really tough on immigration." It, he has shaken this entire thing up, and I think to his credit, I guess uh, because Roger Ailes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, to well, me, not only Trump, that, but he's been lifted up. He's been lifted up for this by God. Thank you. What? God. Yeah, we found that out yesterday. We did? Yeah, we, yeah. Well, yeah, Michelle Bachman. Uh, I don't think she said that. I heard pieces of the speech. Did you? I, mean, I don't we, think she said that. Play. She actually, she actually did say that. We're not going to get everything we want, but we have to overlook a certain amount because we're going to get a whole lot more. And this is one right. thing I know right. from the book of Daniel. The bottom line of the book of Daniel is this. It teaches us that the Most High God lifts up who he will and takes down who he will. There you go. Mm. Did you miss that part? No, Michelle. No, he didn't lift up Adolf Hitler or Pol Pot or Stalin. Stop. But maybe he only lifts up Americans. Hey, God. Okay. Maybe did he lift up Obama? Did he lift up Woodrow Wilson? Did he lift up FDR? Maybe he only lives up. Republicans. Did he lift up Barry Goldwater? Did he lift up John McCain? Did he lift up Bob Dole? It's just bizarre. We have free will. We make bad choices. And then he works with the bad choices we make. That doesn't mean he intended for us to do it. It's so frustrating. I love I love people who say, because I do believe God lifted people up, and I think he lifted oh, up more than one person. I think he lifted up a lot of people in the last uh, last campaign. I think there were at least three people up there that... In the 2012 campaign? No, this one. The, oh, okay. the, the Lord lifted up and said, here's some great... I, I've raised these guys. What, what do you think of these guys? And yes. I, I think there were several of them. Ted Cruz was one of them, but I think there were several of and them. And then we we chose, chose poorly. And it's you know it's like you know did instead of Daniel Jeremiah did did the Lord lift up Jeremiah? Yeah. Did the Lord lift up the king? Mm, no. Did he lift up um, Nebuchadnezzar? No. no. He lifted up Jeremiah to warn and say, mm. "Soften your heart, King." change your ways. The king didn't. He then sent uh, Jeremiah back in saying, you're going to be destroyed. He still, he was, Jeremiah left as he watched the city of Jerusalem burn behind him. And the king of Israel was taken as a slave along with all of the Jews taken as slaves to, uh, by Nebuchadnezzar. That, I mean, he lifts people up we have to choose. When you choose poorly, the blessing is as soon as you change your course, then the Lord makes lemonade out of lemons. Right. 
but we usually choose lemons. I mean, on Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, we saw what choosing poorly can mean for <laughs> right, a right. No, I don't. But I don't think that was a movie. That was that wasn't really. And Jeremiah got turned into poorly. a bullfrog. Yeah. Oh yeah, but he was a you good friend of mine. You know. <laughs> All right. I didn't understand a single word he said. Yeah. It helped him drink his wine. I mean, he always had some mighty fine wine. Mighty fine wine. So, oh, I, thank you for that. And I, uh, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, it, it is such a, um, I'm, I'm giving a speech this weekend. I'm going to Louisville and I'm, I get to give away a house to uh, a um, serviceman's family. Oh, wow, that's great. Oh, that's really uh, cool. Yeah, John Hagee is so amazing, and he's doing this um, big gospel revival thing right. over the weekend. And I think it starts tomorrow, and I'm going to be there Saturday, and we're giving away a house, and it's, it's going to be great. And it's wow. not political. There's no politics involved. Um, um, and John asked me, and I said, John, you know, what, I'm really unpopular now with a lot of people. And he said, "No, we're not going to talk about politics." I said, "I, I don't, th- I don't, I don't think I could say hi, how are you, without people <laughs> interpreting that as, oh, I see what he's saying about Hillary Clinton. He wants Clinton to win." <laughs> um, and uh, he said, "Hi, what's, what's the first two letters in Hillary Clinton's name? H I, yes." <laughs> um, but anyway, um, pretty good tie-in, actually. That is, yeah, I hadn't thought of it that I way. Know, I know, I know. Well, I've been planning it and plotting it. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but the the topic that I'm going to talk about um, on Saturday is divine providence. Divine providence doesn't just happen. Divine providence do- just doesn't come to everybody. You have to do the things that make you worthy of divine providence and able to see the divine providence. You know, let your heart not be troubled. Why is your heart not troubled? Why is your heart not troubled? Because you trust in God. Correct. Now you trust in God. But that does, nowhere, nowhere does God say, don't worry about it. Just, just do whatever you want. I, I'll take care of it. Right. No. Live the way he says. Hold fast to the very hard, tough principles that he has outlined. Or he's very clear, you will be destroyed, not as a punishment, but because those things lead to your destruction. And if you lead, live by those things and you are people worthy, then you can, rely, you can have firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. But I don't think we have, we have this misunderstood concept of God. He's a savior in one way, our souls. He doesn't come rushing in at the end to save you from pain and mistakes. When's the last time you were saved in the end by a bad mistake you or somebody in your family uh, has gone through or made? I mean, how many kids grow up in an abusive, alcoholic family? Where's God? Where's God? That wasn't the kid's choice. They didn't want that. Where's God? God gave those parents agency and those parents will pay for how they raise those children 
God will also heal the heart of those children should they try try to do all of the work. And even then, it is miraculous when it happens. But he doesn't take our pain away, especially when it is caused by man and your own choice. God, why would God come in and save a nation when he doesn't go in and save children from horrible abuse? Because he's the savior of our souls. He gives you refuge in your mind and in your heart should you choose to take it. And if you are in control of the situation, you, if you walk exactly the way he says to walk, then he will protect you and you can rely on divine providence. That doesn't mean you get everything you want. That doesn't even mean that you have a good life. Wow, Jeremiah, he wanted, uh, he relied on divine providence. He obeyed all the things. Look at what happened to him. Look what happened to everybody in the scriptures that ever stood up for something that was right. They usually were thrown into a lion's den or killed. (laughs) He doesn't step in at the last minute. And sometimes even when you do the right thing, it's bad. And now this. Before you order that cup of coffee, get LifeLock. Recent survey shows nearly 50% of customers use free public Wi-Fi at coffee shops or other locations once a month for personal activities like your online banking or your email or shopping. Well, most Wi-Fi hotspots are not secure networks. America's fastest growing crime is identity theft. And when it happens to you, thieves can use all of your information and use your credit cards, deplete your bank accounts, your retirement funds, everything. LifeLock.com stops them. Now, nobody can stop all identity theft, but if they don't stop them, What happens is they alert you the minute they figure it out and find it out, and they alert you and say, hey, there might be a problem here. Then they help you clean up the mess. They lead the way. That's the big deal for me, not only stopping them, but after if something's going on, they come in and they don't just say, hey, you got that mess to clean up because doing it by yourself is almost impossible. They're experts at it. LifeLock.com, the best identity theft protection available. Memberships start at $9.99 a month plus sales tax. Go to LifeLock.com or call 800-440-4936. 800-440-4936. LifeLock.com, promo code BECK. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. program. So glad that you have joined us today. Tomorrow, we have uh, Stu's update on the election numbers, which, are they better? Great. Uh, depending on your perspective, I would say if you're a Trump fan, they're, they're a little bit better. Uh, he's, he's had a good couple weeks. Uh, things have regressed sort of towards the, you know, the... Uh, I mean, I, Is this with just not polls, but the Electoral College? 
Yeah, I mean, the 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 convention bump is pretty much gone at this okay, point, good. I would say. Um, and uh, But, you know, Hillary still leads, but the polls are tightening, I would say. I think that's I'm anxious to see. There's, there's something that could truly change this election in Trump's favor, and that is if he listens to Roger Ailes for the debate. If he does that, he might win those debates. This is... The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.